If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca. Think about your life's journey so far. No doubt it hasn't always been easy. But are you stronger now in spite of the hardships or because of them? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah looks at why God allows his children to suffer adversity and what it says about his love. From his series on God's love, here's David with the conclusion of his message, God's love will never let you go. You know, the stories that we hear every day in our culture about people who were once in a relationship but are not anymore, uh, especially as you read uh, the entertainment world, sometimes four and five, six times in one's lifetime, relationships end. Sometimes they end almost before they begin. And you wonder what happens. Well, some people say, well, they fell out of love. Well, first of all, you should never fall into anything. And if you don't fall into anything, you won't fall out of it either. God didn't fall in love with us. He chose to love us because he is love. And God's love never ends. God will never fall out of love with you. That's the message. His love will never let you go. There's no relationship like that you can compare it to in this world, but you can compare that relationship with God. God is love. We'll talk more about that in just a moment as we return to the 8th chapter of Romans. In the meantime, let me tell you again about our book of the month. Our book of the month is yours for the asking when you send a gift of any size to help us in the preaching and teaching of the Word of God around the world. And your gift enables us to keep doing that with strength and expansion and growth. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for standing with us. Thank you for being part of the support family of Turning Point. This month, when you send your gift, be sure to ask for this book, Heaven Rules. It is a book that will encourage you to live your life in freedom, knowing that God in heaven is in charge and he is in control. It is one of the great books on the sovereignty of God with such practical application. Nancy DeMoss wrote this book, and I wrote the foreword. I want you to have it. Ask for it when you send your gift today. Okay, here we go with part two of God's Love Will Never Let You Go. The seven items that Paul mentions in verse 35 are just representative, but they're actual. In fact, he goes on in verse 36 and makes this picture even more powerful. He says, quoting from Psalm 44, he says, For your sake we are killed all the day long and accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In other words, Paul said, I'm like the psalm in the Old Testament. I live every day facing death every day. What is interesting is that Paul is so very vulnerable when he says these words. And they're important to us because, you see, if we are not careful, men and women, we begin to think that God has promised to protect us from all that kind of stuff. It just isn't true. There is no indication in all of the Word of God that God protects us from hardship. He protects us in the midst of hardship. He doesn't keep us from it. He stays with us in the midst of it and shows his power to us no matter what we may be experiencing. 
Christians have real heartaches, don't you know? We have real tragedies. We have real challenges. It's risky to be a Christ follower. John Stott said Christian people are not guaranteed immunity to temptation, to tribulation, or to tragedy. But we are promised victory in every one of these things. God's pledge is not that suffering will not afflict us, but that it will never separate us from the love of God. And Paul is so certain about this. He's so absolutely conscious of this, so confident of this in his own spirit, that in verses 38 and 39, he gives us one of the strongest testimonies to the staying power of God's love you'll read anywhere in the Bible. Listen to these words. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To make his point, the apostle uses his literary training to teach us this truth. In the first list that we read in verse 35, we have a list of things that actually happened to Paul. But in verse 38, we have a list of things that could possibly pop into your mind that could, in the extremities of life, happen to you. So Paul wants to take all that off the table. And he uses a literary device to make this happen. He uses a device, a figure of speech called a merism. You probably never heard of that before. I have to honestly tell you, I couldn't remember studying that in English. But let me tell you what it is. A figure of speech is the way a writer uses words to convey a subject. And a merism represents two extremes that stand for many words in between. Here's the best way I know to tell you this. How far are your sins separated from God? Answer, as far as the east is from the west. Got it? Well, if you read the Bible, several times, especially in the Psalms and here now in Romans 8.38, Paul is going to use the merism, which is stating the extremes of something, and in doing so, including everything that's in between. And there are five pairs of contrasts, five merisms, if you will, in Romans 8.38. Let's go through them together. He says, first of all, not the crisis of death, nor the calamities of life. What can separate us from God's love? Neither death nor life. Death is the greatest of all separators, but Paul's not frightened by death. He's already said to us in verse 35 that he's going to experience the sword, which he did. Paul knew that Christ had conquered death, and so it no longer terrified him. In fact, he wrote to the Corinthians these words. He said, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the same spirit, Paul wrote to Timothy that Christ had abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The writer of Hebrews tells us how Jesus, through his death on the cross, destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So Paul's not afraid of death. Instead of death separating us from God, 
The fact is, death doesn't separate us from God. Death unites us with God. Many of you remember, I asked you to pray for Don and I as we went to Nashville because of my sister's death, and I had the funeral, her husband, David Mills. I knew he was ill, and you know, when my sister died, he just didn't want to live anymore. He was anxious just to go to heaven. So he died. And the interesting thing about it is, I was in Nashville, and I called David, and we met together for about an hour at the Grand Ole Opry Hotel, sitting on a corner there, and just sharing what was going on in his life, and telling him I loved him, and he was asking about her children and all that. And that's the last time I'll ever see him on this earth. He's not here anymore. He's gone. He's been separated from me, but he hadn't been separated from God. He's more with God now than he's ever been in all of his life. He is with God in a way that he could never be with God here. So death, rather than separating him from God, unites him with God. Paul says, neither death nor life. How many of you are aware of the fact that for some people, life is worse than death? But Paul says, neither the crisis of death nor the calamities of life. What kind of calamities? All the things he mentioned earlier, tribulation, distress, hardship, suffering, all those things. Paul says, none of those things will ever separate you from God's love. Neither the crisis of death nor the calamities of life. But the Bible goes on to say, that not only will those things not separate you, but not the intervention of angels nor the intrusion of demons. Neither angels nor demons is the next phrase. What does that mean? Well, some people say it couldn't be good angels because good angels would have no motivation to separate you from God's love. But perhaps we're missing the point when we say that because what Paul is simply doing is taking the extremities that he can think of. Maybe the extremities in his mind are evil demons and good angels and everything in between and nothing between those two things in the spirit world can ever separate you from God's love. Nothing. It's impossible, Paul says, for you to be separated from the love of God. The rope of God's love goes through your harness and it cannot be removed. Many writers write about this and they try to in some way discredit this, but there's no discrediting of it. The Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed all principalities and powers, Colossians 2.15. And that through the resurrection of Christ, angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. So if angels and authorities are subject to God, and God says, I love you, I always have and I always will, no angel or authority is ever going to ever be unsubmissive to the Father. So we're safe in the angelic world. We're safe in the spirit world. And then he goes on and he says, not the crisis of death nor the calamities of life, not the intervention of angels nor the intrusion of demons, and not the cares of today nor the concerns of tomorrow. Things present nor things to come. Paul says, here's the next merisms. Take all the things that are happening to you now. And take all the things that can happen to you in the future, draw a line between them, and never will you ever find on that line anything that can separate you from God's love. The rope is secure. God's love is absolute. You say, how do I know these things are true? How do I know that I can't be separated from God's love? Well, here's a good exercise for us to go through, and I need your help in this. There are some questions in Romans 8. Well, they're called rhetorical questions because they assume an answer. Let me show you the first one. 
in verse 31 of chapter 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? What's the answer to that? No one. So I'm going to read these questions, and I'm going to ask you to help me. I'm going to read them, and I want you to say, no one. Now, don't say it like you just woke up. I want you to say it like you mean it, all right? I want you to say it with authority, because this is what this is meant to do. He asks these rhetorical questions, and the resounding answer should be in our heart. Are you ready? Here we go. Ready. If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? Who is he who condemns? Who shall separate us from the love of God? That's it. I rest my case. Not the crisis of death or the calamities of life. Not the intervention of angels nor the intrusion of demons. Not the cares of today nor the concerns of tomorrow. And not the pinnacle of heaven nor the pit of hell. In all of the space between the highest and the lowest point of God's creation. Love is present because God is present. God is omnipresent and because God is love, that means his love is omnipresent. There are many stories in the Bible about God's presence with his people. In the Bible, in early church history, and in modern times, we are constantly being reminded that it is impossible to escape from the presence of God's love. And then number five, not anything mighty or anything made. He says, nor powers nor any other created thing. The word powers is usually translated by the word miracles. The Bible says there is no demonic miracle that could separate you from God's love. And there isn't anything here. I love this because this is kind of the summary statement of Paul. He says, not any other created thing. Now, how many things are there in the world that are uncreated? How many? One, only God himself. God is uncreated. He created everything. He says, not any created thing can separate you from the love of God. What does that include? Everything in the world has been created by God. So that's the summary statement. God is saying, through Paul, I've made my list. I've given you all these contrasts. If you didn't get that, let me make one more statement so that you don't miss this. There's not anything that's ever been created in the entire world from the beginning of time until now, not anything at all that can ever separate you from the love of God. Now, I don't know how much clearer it can be made. That's God's testimony to us. That's his promise. And some of you are saying, well, pastor, I don't, man, I sure don't feel loved. I'm going through so much stuff. I think God's forgotten me. Well, I don't know about your feelings. I just know this. I promise you God hadn't forgotten you. You see, how can you say that? You don't know me. No, but I know God. (laughs) I know his word. And what I said before is when you're going through things where you're tempted to feel like God has forgotten you, it's not how you feel that's important. It's what you know that's important. And if you don't know the word of God, if you don't know what God has promised, if you haven't accepted his truth as the infallible word of God to your heart, When these times come, your emotions will take over your life. Don't let your emotions take over your life. Let your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ take over your life, and you'll be able to deal with these things because in the heart of your heart you will know, I have a God who has hooked me up to the rope of his love, and I am connected, and I know it. Amen? 
Now, here's the summary of it all and the conclusion. In verse 37, Paul says, if these things are true, and we know these things are true, it changes us. How does it change us? Let me read the verse, Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? I mean, if you're a conqueror, what more could there be? This is the only time this little phrase, more than a conqueror, is found in the Bible. And it's the connection of two Greek words, huper, which means more than, and nikao, conqueror. The word from which we get the word Nike. We are huper nikao. We are more than conquerors. Now, how can you be more than a conqueror? Let me explain. We are not merely conquerors. We are more than conquerors. It's not just that the forces that are opposing us, we have neutralized, but more than conquerors, we have taken the things that are against them and made them part of our victory. In other words, there is revealed to us the love of God which is in Christ, a love which no one or nothing will ever be able to separate us. So we do not stop or defeat the power of all things that come against us. Something happens more than that. We are better for having gone through the battle. We become better people because of these things. We grow. As Warren Wiersbe said in one of his books, we step on the bumps in life and we go higher. The Bible says that when we face all these things that Paul has put on the table and we go through them and we go through them with the love of God harnessed to our heart, the result of having gone through them with his power is that we are better on the other side of those things than we could ever have been had we not gone through them. One of the great things that came to me during the challenges I had years ago was just this simple thought, and I said it when I got up in the pulpit the first time I came back. God is enough. He is enough. I mean, just to know that in your heart, to go through the things that you go through that are tough, and to come out on the other side with this confidence, I was there, I went through that stuff, and I want to tell you, my God is enough. You can never recover from that because when you see the stuff coming at you the next time, you don't have to be panic-stricken. Whatever it is, whatever's coming at you, hey, I've been there and my God's enough. In today's culture, we often get the impression that the best life is the life that is protected and easy. In fact, if we're honest about it as parents, we often go out of our way to protect our children from difficulty. And I think that's normal and natural. But if children are protected totally from hardship, how will they ever learn how to face hardship, which is inevitably a part of life? That doesn't mean you just let them battle their own battles. We're going to always be rescuers. I'm a rescuer. <laughs> but listen to what God is saying. God is saying that if you think life is better because you have not had any problems, you're missing it. Because if you look around at the people who are most vigorous in their living, who are most excited about life, who are every day get up with something to get up for, they're almost always men and women who have endured some kind of hardship in their life. Hardship is the factor that distinguishes between just existing and living a vigorous life. Hardship builds character. 
Here in San Diego, if you go to the ocean, you often see huge waves that would frighten any ordinary swimmer and produce tremendous thrill for any surfer who rides them. Let's apply that to our own circumstances. The things we try to avoid and fight against, tribulation, suffering, and persecution, are the very things that produce abundant joy in us. We are more than conquerors through him in all these things, not in spite of them, but in the midst of them. So rather than hardships being a sign of the absence of God's love, as we've already learned in this series, there is yet more evidence that his love is behind our victory and our endurance. Our conquering is always through him who loved us. I hope you get a hold of this truth because it's revolutionary. God is not going to protect you or me from the difficulties of life. We're all going to have them. You can't get from the cradle to the grave without some bumps. Can I get a witness? And it may seem to you, well, how come I'm having more than the people out there who aren't walking with the Lord? Let me just tell you something. Their bumps are coming. (laughs) Their bumps are coming. But God is building into us strong faith so that we can face the hardships. And I want to tell you something. We better learn this truth as I look toward the future of this nation. If we don't learn this truth, we're going to be left behind in our walk with Christ. You think it's tough to be a Christian today? It's going to get a lot tougher before we go to heaven. And we better be learning how to face these challenges so that God can use us in this time of challenge for our nation. Corey Ten Boom was at the Nazi death camp, Rebensbrook, where roll call came at 4.30 every morning. She writes about the fact that most mornings were so cold, sometimes the women would be forced to stand without moving for hours in the bone-chilling pre-dawn darkness. Nearby were the punishment barracks where all day and deep into the night you would hear the sounds of cruelty, blows landing in regular rhythm and screams keeping pace. But Corey and her sister Betsy had a Bible and at every opportunity they would gather the women together like orphans around a blazing fire and they would read out loud Romans chapter 8 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Corrie ten Boom said, I would look about as Betsy would read these words and I would watch the light leap from face to face. More than conquerors. It was not just a wish, it was a fact We knew it. We experienced minute by minute an ever-widening circle of help and hope. She went on to be very honest. She said, life at Ravensbrook took you on two separate levels. One level was the observable external life that grew every day more horrible. And the other, the life we lived with God, grew better and better, truth upon truth, glory upon glory. The hardships created in that woman, one of the most read women from the days of the Holocaust who's touched the lives of many people through her writings and her faith and her courage. She stepped up on the bumps of life and she became more than a conqueror. God doesn't want us just to somehow get through our hardships. He wants us to come through our hardships with our hands up high in victory. Hallelujah. So when you're going through the hard things, when you're wondering if maybe you've gotten unconnected, just remember this. 
Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Let me say it again. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. And you know why? Because God loves you. He always has, and he always will. Amen. Amen is right. Amen. To my soul, to yours, one of the great truths of the Bible to help us stand up straight and be strong when everything around us seems um, to be falling apart. And speaking of things falling apart, did you know that uh, one of the ways you walk against that, one of the ways you hold up your hands and push that away is to remember that God is in charge. When you can't see it, it's still true. When you can't feel it, he's in charge. I have a book that will help you understand that. Behind the scene of everything that happens to us in this day, there's another unseen world where God is ruling. And uh, that ruling is what keeps sensibility in your heart and gives you strength to go forward every day. The book is called Heaven Rules. It's by Nancy DeMoss, and it's our resource for the month of January. It's been my privilege throughout this month to tell you how great a book this is and how important it is for you to have a copy of it. You can get yours for a gift of any size to Turning Point during the remaining days of January. And when you make your gift, be sure and ask for your copy of the book. We'll see you next time. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you update us on this ministry's impact on your life? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss Wogelmuth and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will, here on Turning Point. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. John R. Mott received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1946 for strengthening Protestant Christian student organizations who were committed to advancing world peace. It's not surprising then that he said this about effectiveness. He who does the work is not so profitably employed as he who multiplies the doers. 
Jesus was a multiplier of doers. He trained 12 disciples to multiply his own ministry. We should do the same. Every parent knows it takes longer to teach a child to tie his own shoes, but in the long run, everyone is better off when doers are multiplied. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's laws of multiplication on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.